Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. You just said make up an assignment and then just go somewhere by yourself. Is that something that you do regularly? First thing in the morning, like the sun is rising and it's snowing and I've got this really hot Icelandic girl giving me a massage. Tim has absolutely no shame about taking the bus, none. Welcome to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And we've got a great guest today. You may remember him from our second ever episode of the show. Todd Walker is back. He's a fellow travel writer, TV host, radio personality, and perennial guest on the show. The only thing more certain than death and taxes is Todd Walker showing up on No Blackout Dates. Yeah, Todd is the master conversationalist for podcasting. He's a great guy to have on. In fact, I think this is something we'll probably do every every 25 episodes or so because Todd brings a veteran perspective uh, from the media industry. He's also hilarious with No Holds Barred. Yeah, I met Todd on my very first sponsored uh, trip as a writer to Aruba, and he's been gracious enough to come back and join us. But first, we're going to get into hot takes. Tim, you want me to go first, ask you some questions? You ready? Yeah, go for it. Do people with so-called dream jobs have the right to complain about them in public? It depends who they're talking to. I mean, this kind of ties into something we talk a lot about on the show is how we don't really like to talk about what we do for a living because every time I tell people that I work at a travel magazine, they're like, Oh, that's a dream job. And in a lot of ways it is, but it's also, we, it's also work. It's also like long days staring at the laptop. So I, I don't know. I, I think no. And it kind of ties into the, you know, you hear people like complain about athletes complaining about stuff when they make like $7 million a year. Like, do they have a right to complain? Honestly, yeah, they do. Everybody has a right to complain. They've trained their entire life and made a ton of sacrifices to be where they are. It's not like they were just gifted this. And I kind of feel the same way about any job that somebody has worked hard to be in a position for. Yeah, you have a right to express frustration now and then. I actually completely agree. Um, I also think, though, that the reason I completely agree is because there's no such thing as a dream job. And a lot of what we've been talking about on the show is with the intention of dispelling that notion. Anyone has the right to complain about what they do, whether you're a professional athlete or you are a digital nomad or whatever. Yep. right. All right. Next question. Is it ethical to take free samples when you have no intention of buying? How are we talking about? Like if you're in like the department store and they give you a spray of cologne or what? I'm talking about going to a gelato place and asking for a free taste. And they'll give you as many free tastes as you want. But say you have no intention of buying any gelato, you know? It's not like if you're at a mall food court and you, you take some chicken from the guy outside the Chinese place, that's not unethical. Like they expect people to just walk by as they take they take some chicken and go. But like, you know, gelato, they you're asking them, can you you're making the person scoop it for you with the intention that you're gonna buy it and then you just walk away? Like it's kind of a dick move. It's definitely a dick move. I don't know if it's unethical. That that might be uh a little extreme, but yeah, you're definitely a douchebag if you do that. Because I've that's crossed my mind so many times. Like I've been like really wanting, like craving. Just I don't want a whole gelato. I just want like a one little spoonful, and that'll take the edge off of my uh, thirst or my like being really hot. And all I need is that one spoonful. But I'm like, can I go up to the counter and ask and pretend like I'm like 
considering seriously getting a gelato and then just walk away after the sample? Well, one sample is probably fine. And honestly, like if you're cool and nice and you like chat with them for a second, they probably don't care about giving you a sample. They'd probably rather do that than stand there doing nothing. But yeah, it's the guy that's like seven samples deep. And then it's like, oh, I, actually, I'm good. And then walks off. That's when you're a douche. Okay. Because again, the, unless the person behind the desk is the proprietor, what do they care? You're not taking money away from them. So you're not you're not personally putting money in their pocket by buying a gelato. So technically, they really shouldn't care. I mean, especially if you put a dollar in their tip jar. Right. Well, then you might as well just buy the gelato. <laughs> yeah. And same goes for obviously like going to Costco and you, there's a, a table of free samples. Taking one, okay. Take like four, you kind of have to buy the dumplings, right? Yeah, it's funny. When I was a kid, I used to love to go to like those kind of bigger grocery stores with my mom because they'd always have all the samples and I just walk around and eat the samples all the time. But I was like a seven-year-old kid, you know? It's a little different if you're like a 40-year-old adult doing the same thing. Just go for lunch to Costco for free samples. Like that's it. Just right. Haven't I seen you like six times already today? Like are you the guy with the mustache before? Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got. My first one for you, it seems like we can never really get away from this string of new social media networks. And now it's like Clubhouse. Like the other day I was invited via an Instagram DM from someone I've never talked to before to speak at a Clubhouse event. I've never been on Clubhouse or whatever, but I'm wondering wh when does this end? When is the end of these new social media networks and what is your limit? What is Clubhouse? I don't. I my understanding is that it's a social media network, but you, it's audio, so you're talking. So instead of writing a post on Facebook or posting a photo on Instagram, you're recording yourself saying something. What was the event you were asked to speak at? It was a sustainability in the micro distilling industry. Can you make the entire speech about promoting the podcast? Maybe. You get up there, they think you're going to talk about sustainability and you immediately are just like, so like just got finished listening to a great podcast called No Blackout Dates, Unreal Content. Let's go through the episodes. Number one, we've got an influencer called Melanie. Number two, we got Todd Walker. Here's a synopsis. I No, I, I didn't do it. In fact, I didn't even respond to him until after it was over because I don't want to have to learn this new app. Tim, I thought you wanted the spotlight more. Can't shy away from the limelight. I think I'm just getting old, man. I think me five years ago would have done it. <laughs> just fed off applause five years ago. Now you just not the same guy. Okay. To answer your question, it never ends, Tim, the social media. It never ends until somehow it becomes like a hologram experience where we're not like sitting on our computers and scrolling through Facebook, but like actually visually looking at 3d images like projected on our wall or in front of us. So I think that people constantly innovate with new platforms. Some might be successful. Some might fall flat. It never ends. It will never, ever end. Do we all just end up back on MySpace in five years? Is that is that the end? I'll be honest. I didn't. I, I missed on MySpace. I didn't ever have one. I feel left out of all these MySpace references and jokes because I just, I never had one. I know what it looks like. I, you know what I had though? I had LiveJournal. Do you remember that? I heard of it. I don't know if I ever used it. I think it was for like, like emo kids. It was basically just like a blog. Mm, that's right. Yeah. It was like, a, you had a profile. There's no pictures though. And it's just like you wrote you wrote posts. It was like writing a journal that everyone could see. It's for emo kids. I have no idea what I wrote about. I wrote about my day, about how like middle school was going. <laughs> I think I wrote about like what God knows what else I was doing, like playing Game Boy. Yeah. I mean, MySpace was crazy because it was like everybody was on it. And then one day, just nobody used it. It was like 
just straight up everyone just bailed and went to Facebook. Live Journal was like a precursor to Twitter. Yeah. Just a more with more extensive entries. So it was just people airing their thoughts that no one else wants to hear about. Yeah. Okay. It never ends. That's the uh that's the result there. Okay. The next one is is what are your thoughts on the on the travel passport, on the vaccine passport? Uh, I mean, not to get too political, I'm 100% for it. Yeah, me, like, me I know too. That, that a lot of people aren't. I think it's, I basically, I know people will say it infringes on your freedoms, but the fact is you can require people to do that. Every restaurant, every venue can make their own rules. And if they, if, if it's also good business sense, if you want to make sure that your customers feel safe enough to go in, it's for a nightclub to go and party in a nightclub and to be able to be shoulder to shoulder with people the way to stoke confidence is by having a vaccine passport. That's just how it is. It's the way the economy can come back. It's the way travel is going to come back. Um, there's no doubt. I think travel to, to enter different countries, vaccine passports are going to be a necessity. I think it's less, that's less certain in domestic venues, uh, malls, restaurants, movie theaters, but I'm a hundred percent for it. I think you're not, what you're asking of people is not costing them any money. It's not like you're telling someone, that you're, you oh, go go and get a $200 vaccine and then you're creating an economic divide between people that can get it and can't get it. It's free. It's been proven safe by any source that's reputable. And it, I mean, it's been approved by the most strict regulatory agencies in the world. I just don't, I really don't see the reason, number one, not to get the vaccine, which might be a whole other argument. And number two, a vaccine passport is not unlike any other passport. People say like, oh, it's like, it's like a, uh, I hate when people make this argument. It's like, show me your papers. It's like living in Nazi Germany. You have to show show identification. It's like, could there be a falser equivalency? This is to show that you have been vaccinated against a deadly disease that you could transmit to other people if you are in close contact with them. I can't tell you how many times people say, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. Like, I'm young. I'm healthy. I work out. I eat good. Like, I'll, I'll be okay for COVID. Okay, you might be fine, which you don't know that you will be, but you might be fine. But the elderly people that you are sitting next to at the restaurant might not be fine. So for you to say, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated just because of this matter of principle based on absolutely nothing, yet it'd be completely okay transmitting that virus to God knows who might be, be around you because you don't want to wear a mask is just like borderline criminal to me. So no, I don't care about vaccine passports. I think they're perfectly fine. I think everyone should have them. Yes, I agree. And I'll sum it up in one sentence. You might have the freedom to not have to get vaccinated, but you do not have the freedom to endanger other people. Exactly. The freedom argument is always what comes into play. And it's like, well, like it's going to infringe on Americans' freedoms. Freedom is great, except when it means the freedom to fill yourself with misinformation you find on Facebook and then make hazardous public health decisions that are going to negatively impact everyone around you. That to me is when freedom becomes a little less appealing. I, I know maybe this is controversial for some people. Maybe some people would hate us for saying that, but that's all I have to say. I agree. And that's what I've got. I do have one last thing to add. I, out of curiosity, looked up livejournal.com to see if it still exists. It does still exist. It, there's still a livejournal.com. And the main page has random entries from people on it. So I clicked on one. It's titled Thursday. And it's written by a woman named Susan. Won't give her last name. Just to give people an idea of what, uh, what kind of content is out there. First paragraph says, I got into bed last night at my usual time and, per normal, fired up my silly game and my audiobook. 
I usually entertain myself with both for about an hour. Last night, I lasted 15 minutes. And then I slept nine hours. I was tired and sore. Today, I feel perfectly fine. Why was she so sore? I don't know. Why was she sore? Why was she so tired? Nine hours is a lot, is a lot to sleep. So if she's sleeping nine hours every night, that's a lot of sleep. She shouldn't be tired. A lot of questions. Unreal hook. I want to read more. I don't know about anyone else. But if you do, check out Live Journal. Hit up Susan. There's a lot more to this entry, but we'll leave you guys with that little cliffhanger. I think we should get Live Journal going. I might make an account again and uh, make that my main social media platform. Yeah, the No Blackout Dates Live Journal page. Check us out. Follow us on Live Journal. Exactly. I don't want to have any spoilers, but she does conclude her entry with a picture of her cat. Oh, pretty cute cat. Not going to lie. So I have one more question on live journal. Can you at people? No, I don't. I think that's what makes it so great. I think you I don't even think you can comment. I think you can do all I can do is like it. It's just one person writing to the world. It's one person writing. She has four likes on her post right now. Uh, I tried to like it, but I don't have a account, so I can't. But Susan, if you're listening, know that I in my heart, I do like it. And it's just all positivity. No comments, no downvotes, just hearts, just likes. That's it. Most positive, optimistic space on the internet. Live journal. Right. All right. And with that, we'll get in with Todd. Okay. Well, we're lucky to have Todd back with us. Guy is the toast of the town in Minneapolis, St. Paul, but just can't stay away from no blackout dates. Todd, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm enjoying your show. I think I was on the inaugural one. And how many do you, how many of you had now? This is going to be number 29. Yes. I mean, and, I, and I pick them up when I can in this uh, COVID times. If I'm like, out, you know, walking with friends or whatever, I'll put in my earbuds and listen to the show. So it's, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. And you seem like, what have you been up to as a travel writer these days? Because it's life is kind of weird for us. We aren't going as many trips. We haven't been traveling as much. We feel like absolute frauds, even more so than normal, because we have this show, we write all the time about traveling and we haven't gone anywhere in like seven, eight months. So you see I, I on your Instagram a few days ago, you look like you're always like out there living it up, eating out, you, you're killing it. So what's, what's life like? I, and I'm trying to, trying to stay current because I will do um, guests uh, on different radio shows or I'll be doing guests on like a YouTube channel or something. And if you feel even like you said, even more lame than we all are when you are asked about travel and then you have to come clean that you've maybe had three trips this year. It, it, you, you feel kind of uh, disingenuous. So, but yes, I have gotten out there. I did do New Orleans. Um, I'm taking trips that I never ever would probably go to. You know, you can't not uh, love New Orleans, and I'm sure you both have been there. But the problem when you go down there during the pandemic, and what are some of the things you really want to do? You want to listen to great live music. At least I do. I want to hear music. Didn't hear any music. The only music was like a couple bums that I wanted to fucking put my uh, donuts in his little trumpet because he was so awful and the beignets and throw them at him. I mean, there, <laughs> there was no music and the food. I mean, everybody loves the food in New Orleans, right? But like a lot of the places still weren't open. Yeah. Well, that was my question is how do you balance kind of concerns about traveling during COVID and going somewhere that's safe with actually going places that are fun and where things are actually open. Because if you go some somewhere where everything's wide open, everyone's partying, you're still kind of like in the back of your head, like, uh, is this like actually chill? Is this safe? But then if you go somewhere, everything's closed. You're like, this is not fun. Why did I leave my house? Right. I mean, but you do, you go someplace like New Orleans for that, but then it is weird when you get there and you, if the places that did allow people to 
you know, congregate together, if that feels uncomfortable too, but that's what you want to do there. So it's this weird juxtaposition, but flying down guys, um, Delta, I, I mean, flying out, they did not, I don't know what was going on, but every seat was full. So there were no, uh, at the middle seat deal which really kind of freaked me out. And of course I had a guy that was three times my size that gets on with which the Ada outlaw with his bag of McDonald's, the Big Mac, the fries, the whole thing and eating all that food. It was just super uncomfortable. I'm convinced that they hire, if you're a middle seat person, if you like end up getting stuck there, I'm convinced that the airline just as like to, to amuse themselves, they hire people who are like 400 pounds to sit in the, the window and the aisle seat and they just like as as a way of amusing themselves and the flight attendants so they can just watch you suffer the entire time because every single time you're in the middle seat there's always people that are like six times bigger than you on either end or people that like fall asleep on your shoulder it's like these i feel like they're like hired actors to answer your question evan yeah new orleans you know it's just it's a great place to go but you do feel a little like you, you really hype up the city like the you know like the uh, you know the content is all about how great New Orleans is when in reality, you know, right now, if I was a traveler, I would probably not choose a city like New Orleans because of the purpose you go there for. I mean, I would probably choose someplace to hike and to do outdoor activities like Joshua Tree. Well, when will you be comfortable going into a fully packed bar again? So say the place, say New Orleans, wide open, bars, 100% capacity, live music, whole deal. When would you feel, when would you be like, all right, I feel safe. I feel like this is okay. No, I mean, being honest, yeah. Like if it, like to, to a music venue in New Orleans, it would be, I would want to be fully vaccinated uh, myself. I'm only half vaccinated. And then, um, and then I'd want to know that maybe they were doing proper testing of people when you come in, you know, temperature testings or something, some precaution that I'm not going to go into some, you know, venue that everybody's packed around sweating on me. And I don't want that. I won't be happy until I can fully make out with strangers on the street, just random people. That's when I know this thing is over. That's my barometer. When when Fauci comes on TV and says, uh, all right, 15 days to flatten the coif. We beat this thing. We did it together. Go hug a complete stranger to celebrate. Then I'll be, it's over. We're done. That's all I'm waiting for. And New Orleans is a great place to do that. So New Orleans is probably where you're going to want to go, Evan. But I see, Evan, I disagree with you. I don't think... It'll ever be we're going to be given the full thumbs up to, you know, have a mask burning and jump in the streets and, you know, French kiss with strangers. I don't think that'll ever happen. All right. Well, it was good having you on, Todd. Have a, have a good day. See you later. <laughs> I hate to disappoint you, Evan. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not what I want to hear. So here's, a, here's one that we're just going to shoot you right at, right you with this one. Have you ever and will you ever again write about a place that sucked just because it was on the itinerary and, and say that the food was good or the experience was good or overall, like it's a, it's a must do in the destination, even though you had a bad time. In what circumstance would you give an honest negative review? So place, they host you, you get it for free, free meal. Say it's like a nice place, but the food sucks. Would you actually write that the food sucks or would you just omit it completely? Um, I, we're all writers. So I would either omit it completely or I'd be creatively the way I positioned the food, you know, saying something like, you know, I'm, I'm not vegan, but if you are a vegan fan, it's hard for me to judge uh, a good vegan restaurant because I got to be honest, afterwards, I went over to Mac and Don's and had a Big Mac. So I was on a press trip once 
when the hotel staff at the hotel that we were at went on strike while we were there. And like, I just straight up didn't talk about the hotel in my story, you know, because what am I going to be like? Yeah, I was staying at the, uh, I'm not going to call them out, but I was staying at this hotel in Quebec city and they went on a labor dispute, literally our second night there. And there was no room service. There was no bar. There was no check-in desk. Like it was insane. And I'm sure that the PR person that was running the trip was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. This is happening right now. That's a nightmare. Yeah, I would not write about that. So, Evan, now the more I think about it, I'm kind of with where you're, you're at on that. I would just omit it um, and suffer the, you know, the, the the wrath of the PR person afterwards, or I would spin it in a creative way. I mean, I'll say one time um, when I was in Louisiana, I really wanted to try jambalaya because I'd had jambalaya at Chili's. The only the first time I ever had jambalaya, it was Chili's, and it was amazing. I was like, oh my god, it's my favorite dish, my go to my go to Chili's dish. Is jambalaya. You had jambalaya at Chili's. At Chili's, unreal. If you never had it, try it. Jambalaya at Chili's is amazing. How many shows are we going to talk about Chili's on? This is making us sound really, really B-list. The ch- Chili's jambalaya, great. So I went to Louisiana. The Bayou is a Cajun food trail-based uh, trip. I was like, I have to try jambalaya. It's my number one thing. I come to learn they don't serve jambalaya in restaurants in Louisiana. It's like a homemade cooking thing. They don't. It, we went to like. 17 restaurants we they didn't have jambalaya at any of them so we end up going with tailgate at uh nichols university nichols university tailgate they have jambalaya there they people bring it in these huge vats i was like psych i'm like all right i'm gonna get jambalaya this is gonna be amazing like local bayou jambalaya not as good as chilies have to say just not as good and in my article i definitely said it was like the best jambalaya in the world because that's what people expect you to say what am i gonna say like go to chili's don't go to the bayou so like, you can't say that in that case i would have for sure done exactly what you did because let's be honest unless you consider yourself like a major foodie you know you don't you probably uh don't have the refined taste to know what good jambalaya is and bad jambalaya it's just your personal taste yeah no no and that's like hey i'm not like a food reviewer i don't pretend to know like what goes into water i'm not a culinary expert but like from my perspective and maybe i'm sure it's because chili's throws in all kinds of like artificial shit in there but it just wasn't as flavorful just wasn't as good down in the bayou and I, i don't know nothing against the whatever family made it and served it to me but that was my perspective. I was like, if I were to write about that, like my honest opinion, I would probably just get fired and barred from ever going to Louisiana ever again. That's a good point. It's like the uh, the beignets. You both have had beignets. Same thing. I've had better beignets in New England than I had in the Bayou. I just wasn't impressed with the beignets. Yeah, the beignets at Cafe Du Monde. I mean, you know, everybody has to go there and do the beignets. And I'm like, yeah, you know. So I, in this story that I'm hearing, I'm choosing just to say, you know, some of the uh, you know tourist favorites are places such as. Uh, stop by for the chicory coffee and the beignet at Cafe Yeah. Well, here's a question. The biggest letdown that you've had from a travel experience where you had high expectations. So kind of like a Cafe Du Monde, you were like really psyched to, to try it. Sucked. The Arch. St. Louis. I think I would say the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. I love the Blue Lagoon. No, I, I like the Blue Lagoon, but this is why I said that. So we got there at like seven in the morning and it didn't open until 10. So we ended up having a great experience. But when we were, by the time we had been in there for like an hour, there was like another 200 people in there. And when we left, there was literally a line out the door and like around the corner to get in. And if we would have showed up to that line, I would have been like, no, sorry, I'm not doing this. It's a hot spring. Okay, see, the I just did the Blue Lagoon on a press trip this last year. Evan, I think I told you about it. And I'm in the, you know, it was 
one of those magical moments in the Blue Lagoon, first thing in the morning, and I'm like the sun is rising and it's snowing, and I've got this really hot Icelandic girl giving me a massage. You can't tell me that isn't like an amazing experience. I was going to say this selection for you is because you have a thing for Icelandic girls, Todd. I think that's what's behind this. They are beautiful, but yes, mine would be the arch. The arch. Well, no, how did, what did you expect from the arch? Because the arch is just an arch. Like, what did you expect it to be? It's like a bad Disney ride. The arch is funny to me because that's not, it's not a landmark that I have ever had any desire to go to. Yeah. Okay. But it's same, but you have to go. The bar for uh, attractions is just so low that the arch is like the Eiffel Tower of St. Louis. Yeah. It's a world wonder. How about this? Like, I think one of my favorite things to do in any city that I don't know very well is find like a public square. Like in Denver, I love going to Union Station and just like hanging out on my laptop and just kind of taping, taking in the vibe of the city. Yeah, it's pretty cool there. And, you know, and that is a that is a uh, redone station that works. You know what I mean? Like I've been in some cities where they don't work. That one's pretty cool. Yeah. In fact, I made Eben hang out with me in Union Station in Denver for like an entire day once. What are, what are your thoughts on trains? Because we, we've been writing lately all the time about Amtrak and how, oh, you can uh, get this sale on train tickets for the summer for vacations. Who takes train vacations in the US? Like, I just want to know, does anyone do this? Does either of you guys do this? Like, So I will say, I, I think it depends what you're looking at, because I also did a press trip I did the train to the uh, Grand Canyon from uh, this small town in Arizona. Here's the deal. Like at the end, you guys are going to love this one. In order for them to get tips, they have uh, cowboys that ride by with horses, stop the train, and then come in and pretend to rob you. Well, here's my thing about trains is I feel like if you're doing a, a trip that has a specific, it's like build with a theme, like the the cowboys that rob you or going up to Banff. It's like, that's like a scenic trip. Even the Napa thing is like a wine themed train excursion. I'm talking about like taking an Amtrak train from New York to New Orleans because you want to go on vacation and just choosing to make the journey via train rather than airplane. I don't, I can't understand who does this. It's not efficient. It's not cheap. It's not scenic. I think you nailed it. I think like I've done it in Europe and it's so much more efficient. Like, well, we we need high speed rail. We need high speed rail is what we need. Like for Evan, here's a perfect example. You guys are out pushing trains. If I want to leave right now and I want to go I was with some friends and we were talking about, you know, if the riots happen again, where we might go. And we said, hey, let's go down and get a Verbo in Chicago. And one of the girls was like, well, we could take the train that we could, you know, have cocktails on the way down. The train takes fucking eight and a half hours from here. I can get in my car and I can be in downtown Chicago and in, in six hours. So we could, here's the point where we could talk about the buses, but Tim's a big bus guy, but I don't want to embarrass him too much. So let's maybe change the subject from that. Evan, the bus that I took, uh, remember when I did the sailing trip with the bus? I think you gave me a hard time because I was like, I'm not going to get from Boston in Rockport. And you were like, rent a car. You were like, whatever. And I said, I'm going to look into the bus. And yes, Evan gave me a hard time about me taking the bus. It was a great experience. You get on, they give you a thing of water. They give you a thing of, of nuts. You have, you can plug your, your computer. I am also, I'm a big bus guy. I'm also a train guy. I'm just a good, efficient, non-single-use vehicle 
transportation kind of guy. But Tim like, has absolutely no shame about taking the bus. None. Just none. Just takes it in broad in broad daylight in public. I have no problem getting on the bus, buddy. I'll travel with you on the bus anytime. And I, the only bus I take is the one that goes to the airport, they, like an airport shuttle, and that's it. I my my theory on buses has absolutely no foundation in reality. It's just my own completely irrational bias. Yep. No, I. I the Rockport main one was perfect. Dropped me off really in front of where the uh, sailing ship happened. And they played Seinfeld the whole way. It was great. Did, did all the like the old people on the bus like laugh along together as Seinfeld while they choke on their nuts? Evan doesn't want it. Yeah, he doesn't want to get on the bus because he doesn't want people to see him get on the bus. That's why he doesn't go on the bus. Yeah, I'm part of the problem just shitting on buses for absolutely no reason. But speaking of uh, slumming it, Todd, how do you handle dating as a travel writer who's always on the road? Um, I love it. I love it. Get away from the get away from her for a while. Not, I, I love it. It's just like I thought it would be great to be a pilot. You know, man, you can always just say, I'm gone. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's perfect. I mean, you you and I, you and I are the unmarried ones. But I mean, don't you like the idea of being able to get away from not feeling like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that, but I've got an assignment. And even if you make it up and you just go someplace, it gives you an easy out. So, so you're saying, yeah. So you're saying, like, you have someone back home who you don't have to be at their beck and call all the time. So Absolutely. doesn't that make hard it hard to maintain a relationship at home? Yeah, yeah. But I, that's okay. That's why I'm still single. <laughs> you said something that I want to zero in really closely on. You just said make up an assignment and then just go somewhere by yourself. Is that something that you is that something that you do regularly? You know what I'm gonna do when we hang up? Minneapolis to Seattle round trip, $102. When we when we're done with this call, I'm booking it. $102. You said my favorite square is Pioneer Square in, in Seattle. It's awesome. So I'm gonna go to Seattle. I've got some friends out there, and I'll just kind of say, Yeah, I got an interesting assignment, and I'm gonna to Seattle. Bam, I'm gone. I don't have to, I don't have to say something like, oh. Yeah, I wish you could come with, but you know how those trips are. No, no, no. Do you you have a girl you're seeing right now? Uh, yes, but she would she would follow me on a trip any place that I'd invite her to. I just had to lie to get out of one because we were having cocktails, and I have a I have actually have a video assignment in um, in Texas, and I was like, damn, why did I have drinks and tell her she could go with me? I don't want her to go. No way. So I. I, I think I'm out of it, but I said, yeah, I'm going to be working all the time. Now I'm going to work like three hours and stay for four days. Are you at all worried that she might listen to this and the jig is up? Uh, right now I'm starting to think that, as you can see, I've just started to sweat what I was saying. <laughs> Don't worry. She doesn't, she doesn't like me enough to listen to a podcast that I'm on. So no, she, she's, she's uh, listens to all podcasts and she clicks on anything that I post. So yeah. So if, next time we're on together, guys, I might be reporting back that, uh, yeah, I'm no longer seeing anyone. Now, did you meet this person? Is she in the industry as well? Like, does she is she a traveler or is she someone from home? No, she's she's uh, actually from uh, Idaho, and um, yeah, fuck, she's gonna listen to this. I know she will. Uh, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. It's spring in the air, and this is supposed to be a good time for uh, getting out and enjoying the ladies. But now you just spoiled it for me. Hey, I mean, thirty episodes in, if we haven't left a trail of broken relationships in our in our wake, we haven't done our job. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, but isn't that a great airfare, guys? Minnesota to Seattle, $102 round trip. I, I've got it. That is good. You know how much that would cost you by train? Probably like $700 and it'd take you six days. I know. 
<laughs> yeah, but you can have a lot of cocktails in those six days. Oh, they go so slow. And then you're like, the first hour, I always explain to people, like the first hour on like those trains, it's okay. You go back, you check out the food car, you go up in the dome one, and then you go and you sit in your seat and swear to God, you could, you know, bike next to the train and go faster. I hate it. But the one, the, the one thing that's really cool about trains, though, is when you do sleeper trains, because... A, it's double. It's like it's a double productivity session because you're getting from point A to point B, and you don't have to buy a hotel room that night. That's a good point. So we were going to talk about credit card points because it looks like we've got a points guy right here. I'm like a I'm a C rate points guy. Like I have four travel cards. I use two of them, you know, regularly to accrue points. I'm not George Clooney in Up in the Air, but I'm like relatively into it, you know. I would say I'm at that level. I couldn't care less about points, honestly. Like I know that I should and I could save some money, but I just don't give a shit about it. Like it's too it's a hassle. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good at multiplying or figuring out like what's worth three times points, three t- or two times points. Points to me are like a great way of making travelers feel like they're doing something really important when really it's all just like a dick measuring contest. Like, oh, you have five. I, I didn't have to pay for that trip. I had like 300,000 points. It's like, ah, who cares? Just shut up. Everyone just relax on the points. I know. I'm more on your team, Evan, because I've been in those situations where people sit around and like, so how many points do you have? And, you know, it's like, yeah, so you had to pay for this trip, huh? Well, I just got this uh, special rewards offer to, uh, you know, go see the weekend in concert. What about you? You know, it's, it's like, like, yeah, I, I just redeemed 50,000 points to go take an authentic cooking class with an Italian grandmother via Zoom. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, I mean, and that, and that shit is kind of lame. Like in United, when I lived in Denver, United would always email me and be like, we're having a United Mileage Plus members meet up happy hours. Like, I don't want to go to a happy hour with these people. Like, that sounds terrible. With the most insufferable people ever. Yeah, it's like... Who the hell would go to that? But now, I would love to go that to one of those just to see who the fucking freaks are that go to it. There's a lot of digital nomads that sell credit card optimization courses, Evan. You could just take one of those. I'm sure I could spend $5,000 and get a, a figure out how to optimize yeah. my points. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more like Evan, but I'm probably losing out on points. But I think I'm, I'm willing to give that up. Exactly. Yeah, not worth it. But speaking of points and insufferable travelers, do you ever feel like, Todd, you're doing something that actually contributes to society or that's just making it worse? Because this is something I struggle with sometimes that when I'm, you know, writing about like top 10 lists or like, oh, check out this restaurant. It's like I'm basically just writing stuff that's clouding people's social media feeds, uh, blocking out more important information like actual news. And of course, I always will support travel. I always will want to encourage people to travel if they haven't. And I think telling people where they can go if they haven't considered before is a valuable thing. But if you, the more you do it, I think the more you kind of realize, like, what, what, who is this helping? Like, what am I actually contributing to society? Do you ever feel that way? Yeah, but I don't really care about contributing. That's what, I, that's what I've told myself for the last like five years. I've been like, I don't care about, I don't care about society. I am, I am my own society, but yeah. I don't know. I still I think about it sometimes. But during the pandemic, you've gotten a little more introspective and thinking about, am I doing anything that really matters? Yeah, I'm really deep now. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I just, I, I can't believe you're going with that because, yeah, I do look at, um, you know, friends of mine that uh, one of my neighbors is, you know, in the critical care unit on COVID patients. 
And, you know, here I am getting ready to go to New Orleans and she's getting in her, uh, you know, walking out in her scrubs all masked up. And I'm thinking, yeah, she's making a difference and as a doctor. <laughs> you know, and I'm going down to figure out which bars are going to be open so I can uh, hang out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find myself constantly like complaining about all the misinformation on Facebook and like all the bullshit stuff I see people posting. And then I'm like, I'm kind of like writing bullshit stuff. It's just like not political or harmful to anybody so yeah but then you can look at it you can look at it that you're giving people uh imagery of things that they would like to do at some point in their life and giving them hopes and aspirations to do things yeah big time inspire inspire basically motivational speakers <laughs> you're creating fomo todd you got time for our listener question which is our last segment yeah all right yeah so we'll get into the listener question today's question is Looking at travel Instagram gives me the urge to break into the industry, but also makes me want to throw up at how pretentious some of these, quote, professional travelers are. You don't have to name any names, but who was the most obnoxious person you've ever had to travel with or met on a sponsored trip? Uh, I met a couple that had all of the characters and qualities that we've been talking about, changing their itinerary. Um, making alter, making different needs, uh, complaining all the time. They were just absolutely miserable, miserable travelers, and then made it miserable for everybody else around us. And so then, the more I looked into it, I found out that they are huge scammers. I mean, you know, just scammers completely. You know, the the wife was uh, carrying around a camera, taking pictures, and he was claiming to do a podcast. So I went and listened to the podcast, and. You know, was, I, I can't even a handful of followers, and I'm like, and making just a ton of uh, a ton of requests that made the trip miserable for all of us. So that would be mine. What about you guys? Uh, I I've had I could think of two separate instances where there was like just somebody really high maintenance on the press trip that that you know had a bunch of obnoxious requests, and I I remember saying this to the PR person on one of them. I it's in my view, it's the role of the writer on the trip to experience the trip and then tell the story, not to try to dictate the trip. Yeah. And so when you get these people that are trying to dictate the entire trip, it ruins it for everybody else. That's funny because mine is in the same vein, but it's kind of a totally different direction is the uh, back to the Bayou trip I was on. It was just me and one other guy. So it was me and this other guy who was around my age. So I was like, okay, this is going to be, this will be cool. Like we'll get to go out. It'll be fun. We'll like hit the town. It wasn't New Orleans again. It was like the Bayou, but there was a, it was a Thibodeau the town and there is a college town, a lot of fun bars. Like, okay, like this, this, this will be fun. So then the first night I was like, all right, dude, like you want to go, you want to go out? Like want to get some drinks? I, I was, I was trying to go to the drive, the drive through daiquiri bar, which was right next to our hotel. We could just walk to it. And he was like, Hmm, no, nah, I think I'm going to stay in. What? And I was like, what? And this is going to sound like a ridiculous thing for me to complain about, but it's like, come on, like we're on a vacation. You, when are you ever going to be here again? Like, just, just come out with me. And the guy drank. It wasn't like he didn't drink. If he, if he doesn't drink, like that's, that's fine. But Next night was a was a Friday. I'm like, all right, Friday night, like this guy's got to want to come out. It's a weekend. Like, come on. Knocks on his, unlocked his door, his hotel door again because he's right next to me. And I'm like, all right, you want to go to the drive through daiquiri spot? Like, just just get get a few drinks. He's like, I got some work to do. Um, like, I, I got an article I got to write. Like, I think I'll, I'll I'll let you know. And I'm like, oh my god, he's not gonna let me know. Like, he's 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 not. So I went out by myself. Yeah, <laughs> and like, we've talked about this. I'm okay going out by myself. Like that's not a big deal. But I had more fun when you go out with other people, like we did. Even though, yeah, exactly. Even though the kid himself like wasn't that fun. I was like, it doesn't matter. I can, he'll have a few drinks. I'll make sure he's he's having a good time. So 
last night he's like, okay, I'll have, I'll go out for drinks. I'm like, yes, like this is sick. Like I guess like a personal victory for me. And then we get out and the kid literally talks, he spends the entire time talking about a book that he got a deal for that he's writing. He's like writing this book about like, I don't know, Mississippi or something. And it's like a nonfiction thing. And he's just like bragging about this book the entire time, like his book deal and like how many awards he's won as a writer. I'm like, dude, you are the most boring sober person and the most boring drunk person I've ever met in my life. This guy is the epitome of why everyone hates writers and finds them insufferable. Yep. We've all had people like him. Um, and the, But to me, even worse, and we talked about this last time, in that same vein are the travel writers that want to grandstand at every single chance possible and one-upmanship where they've been, what they got published, you know, how they got recognized uh, for some lame-ass competition. I mean, you guys are probably much more well aware of all these, oh, I just entered my story and blah, 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 some initials, whatever, and I was awarded. I'm like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I and mean, we've talked about this on a previous episode. Like, I don't even tell people what I do for a job. I Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I, I try not to really talk about what I do. And I'm an editor at a digital magazine. That's a common thing that I say. People say to Tim, what do you do for a living? He just says, vagabond. And then just kicks his feet back and uh, leans back in his chair like a boss. I usually just say I work in the media or I, I'll just keep it completely broad. I never say, yes, I'm a you know, TV reporter. And I know I never, 0% of the time, like I would never wear logo wear from any place I work. I just say I, I work in the media. I don't like talking. I thought you just said man about town. Yeah, town about town. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do for work? Man about town, you. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Easy. That's easy. Maybe I'll start using that one. All right, Todd. Well, we're going to let you go because you're a busy guy. But thank you so much for stopping by again. Yeah, it was great. You guys call on me anytime. It was fun. We'll see you on episode number 58. All right. Well, that was uh, quite the second interview with Todd there. Now we're here at the takeaways section of the show. And it's kind of funny with these these kind of conversational podcasts because it's not always super easy to distill takeaways out of them. But I think there were a couple in this one. First of all, and I think this is kind of an overarching takeaway of the entire interview here. Being a successful traveler is all about being easygoing. You don't want to be that uptight prick on a press trip or on any kind of trip that you're on with a group of people that wants to change everything and make it your own personal itinerary. It's kind of a metaphor for just how to be not stressed out in life in general is if you're agonizing over every detail on an itinerary, whether it's a press trip or just traveling with your friends and you know, you disagreements on what you want to do, your friends want to do something else that you don't, it's just easier to be, go with the flow, easygoing, let it happen and don't let it get to you. Don't let it ruin your trip. Right. Right. And I, the second one that really stuck out uh, to me was he touched about, dating when you're somebody that travels a lot. And that's something that, you know, I've dealt with a lot in, in my marriage, you know, I'm gone a lot and Alicia travels a fair amount too, and has in the past a lot. And honestly, I would make the argument that having time apart makes a relationship stronger. That's certainly been the case for us. I mean, I was gone at one point for a month and a half in Bali and uh, Malaysia and Singapore by myself and came back and we were great. You know, we couldn't wait to hang out with each other. So I, I think that you don't have to, Travel, travel teaches independence, and that carries through to every aspect of your life. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we tend to think that if you travel a lot, it's going to be hard to maintain 
a long distance relationship or it's going to be tough to build any kind of relationship foundation because you're just on the road all the time. But Todd's perspective was really interesting because he's saying that fleeting relationships or relationships wherein you only see your partner maybe, you, you know, two or three weeks out of the month and you're gone for the fourth week is actually positive because it gives you freedom. It gives her time away from you. to you know, you don't get sick of each other. And it's a good way to test whether your relationship is strong enough to withstand being apart on a regular basis, which I think is a really good way to, to actually grow and to build that strong foundation. Right. And if, if you need to make up work assignments to go on the road for a week by yourself, maybe that's a sign that your relationship needs a little work. <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd's official advice is if you ever get sick of your girlfriend, just tell her you have to go to uh, you have an assignment in Seattle and just take off. Zero repercussions. It'll work out for you every single time. That's that's his guarantee. So if you try that and it doesn't work out, DM him at Todd Walker on Instagram. That's right. Um, anything else, Evan? I, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, no, I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 29. We'll be back next week with another one for you. In the meantime, head over to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Let us know where you would go if you were to fake a work assignment just to get away from your partner for a few days. We'll see you next week.